Hey, before I start my sermon this morning, I do want to uh, let you in and uh, give you a little bit of information about the building and what's happening. And um, we actually moved back our business meeting. And please, if you showed up on, sun on Wednesday night, please forgive us. Uh, we try our best. That's why it's really important that you get the text messages. And so if you'd like to sign up for text messaging, please see uh, one of the um, in the back, one of the hosts in the back. And they'll give you the information on how you do that. Uh, you can always go on the website and check out all the information. But here's the bottom line. Because of the holidays, we are actually in the middle right now of doing some uh, major inspections on the building and on the property. And so uh, just because of the holiday, we tried to get a hold of them and try to get all the reports in. And we just felt like we would rather make sure that we have all the reports all the information for you before we make the presentation, then make a presentation without those reports. And so please forgive us. It's just one of those things. Uh, the owner of one of the properties, uh, he wanted us to give him an answer by the end of December. That's why we really tried to make it happen in December. But I knew with the holiday season, it was going to be hard with businesses on and off, closing this and that. Um, so I'd rather give you the whole report. You deserve as a congregation, you deserve as the members of the church to hear everything exactly the way it is. And um, so please forgive us for backing it up into the new year. It's all on schedule. We're really excited about it. But how many know that you deserve the best? Amen. And we only wanted to give you the best. And um, so that's why we postponed that. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And this morning, I want to continue my series entitled Bethlehem, where God takes little things and turns them into big miracles, where God takes things that seem to be forgotten and turns them into things that he always remembered from the beginning of time and recalls back up and uses it for his glory. Bethlehem, the place where the prophet Micah said the Messiah would come. And thus far, we have learned that, that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And, and the truth is, when I thought about speaking about Bethlehem, really what came to my mind is, is that God wants to do big miracles in your life. And that Bethlehem is a reminder that God still does miracles. Somebody say amen, glory to God. Now, I know I'm in the 830 service and you're still you know, arousing yourself to wake up, all right? But if I'm going to give you my be very best, you got to give me your very best. So every on the count of three, I want you to say amen. One, two, three. Amen. Oh, that was good. One more time. One, two, three. Amen. Wonderful. Now you're awake. Now you're ready to go. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Everybody say favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. <laughs> In other words, what is he talking about? 
But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Everybody say favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will you are to call him Jesus and he will be great. And and you are to give him what the name what Jesus and he will be what he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Notice what he says there. He says his kingdom will reign forever and ever and he will rule over the sons and daughters of the throne of David and beyond. This is powerful. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? How is this going to happen? This is impossible. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive, she who had an impossible situation in her life is in her sixth month of a miracle. Let me tell you something. There are some of you in this room, God has impregnated you with a miracle. He's impregnated you with purpose and destiny. He's impregnated you with a, a, a purpose in your life that goes beyond what you could ever imagine. And you might think it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Somebody say amen. And so here's what it, the Bible says. I love this. He says, for no word from God will ever fail. How many know that when God makes a decree, when God makes a promise, no one in the world can stop that promise? Come on, somebody. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. And so last week we, we looked at the story of the wise guys. The wise men, and we learned a few important things about the wise men, that they were discerning enough to understand that they were in the presence of the Messiah and they worshiped the Lord. And they were changed by the Messiah in such a way that they went home a different way. And that the word of the Lord tells us that we need to learn from these men. We need to learn from every story in the Bible so that we can apply it to our life. If we can't apply it to our life, then what good is it? And so every time we read the scriptures, every time we open up the word, we need to ask the Lord, give us wisdom, God. So this morning, I want to focus on Luke chapter one. And for a few moments, I want to focus on this young lady called Mary, because I believe the story of Mary is actually one of the greatest examples of God using the simple things of this world to blow the minds of the wise. It's a fascinating story, listen to me, about grace. It's a fascinating story about absolute obedience. It's a fascinating story. It's a real story, a fascinating story about real struggles to believe God, real struggles to even when God gives us a miracle, even when God gives us a prophetic statement of our future that we need to embrace ourselves and recognize that the enemy is going to do everything he can to steal your dream, to steal what God has put in your heart. Somebody say amen. 
It's a tremendous story of believing God, listen to me, for the impossible. You see, all of us in this room will at one time or another face an impossible situation in our life. Maybe right now you're facing an impossible situation in your life. A situation that will require absolute trust that God said it. You don't know how it's going to happen, but God said it. It's going to come to pass. Somebody say amen. A circumstance that requires real faith that goes beyond our understanding. An encounter, listen to me, an encounter with destiny that will require saying to God, yes, God, whatever you say, I'm simply going to believe it and I'm going to trust you. I want to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would touch our hearts. I pray that you would speak to every young person in this room. I pray that you would speak to every father and mother. I pray that you would speak to every born-again Christian and every person that's watching live stream today, that they would recognize, Lord God, that no matter where they are in their situations in their life, that God, when the favor of the Lord is on their life, God, they can do the impossible. Somebody say amen. So, so what do we really know about this young lady, Mary? Number one. The first thing we know about her is her father's name was Eli. That's important. She was a great descendant of David. Remember, the Messiah had to come through the line of David. David was a mighty man of God. He was a man after God's own heart. And God said that the Messiah is going to come through your throne. Remember the begats in Matthew chapter 1. Remember the begats, and this one begat this one, and so on and so on. That is so important because it traces back the promise of God. It traces back the fact that God, when he makes a promise, it doesn't matter how long it takes, it's going to come to pass. Because with the Lord, a, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. And so it's, he's not on our timetable. He's on his timetable, and we need to trust him. Somebody say amen. The Messiah would come from the line of David and Mary had not only did he, she have a father, but she had sister. Her, her sister's name was Salome. And we know that because the, we can find that she was with her sister when when Jesus died and when they were going to the tomb. Then she has a, a cousin named Elizabeth. And um, we know that uh, Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. And that's really important. She knows the scripture. Mary is a young teenager who knows the scripture. She studies the scripture. She's a young woman who is in love with God, and now she's in love with a young man named Joseph. And she's a, about to get the shock of her life. And lastly, her world is going to be turned upside down. So when the story opens, Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, she's engaged. But back in those days, when you were betrothed or engaged, it meant you were already pledged. You were already married. You couldn't go back. So that's why it says that Joseph was going to divorce her in the beginning when, she, when he found out that she was pregnant. Because it's a hard, hard story to believe that God impregnated you. And so, but we can see here that they were betrothed together. They were engaged to be married. And between the pledge and the wedding feast was a period usually lasting six months to a year. During that period, the couple was considered to be married and were called husband and wife, but they did not live together. They did not consummate the marriage until the actual ceremony or the wedding feast. 
Following the custom of the day, Mary would live with her parents and Joseph with his. After the public wedding feast, Mary and Joseph would live together as husband and wife. And everything in Luke chapter 1 and 2 happens against, listen to me, this backdrop. Mary is about 15, maybe 16 years old. She's living with her parents, presumably in Nazareth, and waiting for this happy, anticipated day of her actual wedding. And just like a young girl in love for the first time, Mary is making all the big plans. Now, I know what that's like because I gave my daughter in marriage a couple of years ago, and boy, oh boy, man, that's an exciting time for a young lady. Think about it. If you ever got married before, you know what I'm talking about. It's an exciting time in your life, unless the father forced you to marry somebody. You think about all the plans, all the things that needs to happen. You know, when she got engaged, she was thinking, wow, you know, I'm going to have this incredible wedding and I'm going to ask my mom to help me pick out the dress and I'm going to get bridesmaids and we've got to get a wedding hall. You know, all the stuff that happens in a wedding. Michael's shaking his head right now going, oh, Lord, give me grace. Yeah. Michael, listen, the first time I had a daughter, I did really well. I didn't pass out. You know, I don't like blood, but I didn't pass the second time. I didn't pass out the third time. The, the doctor said, what do you have at home? I said, I have two girls. He said, you have a third girl. I passed out. I didn't pass out because of the blood. I passed out because I remembered Italian weddings are very expensive. So Mary is preparing for this incredible day. She's got a lot of hopes, a lot of dreams. She's thinking about the wedding day and all the excitement that this young girl would have in getting married. Now, let's, let's imagine for a moment. She is now busy about all the things that she's doing. She's, she's writing out the list of people that she's going to invite to the wedding. She's calling up the, 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 the person who's the wedding planner for the day, and she's uh, calling up maybe the wedding uh, reception hall, and her mother asks her if she could go outside and she could go fetch some water. And so Mary goes outside to fetch some water. Now, this is imagination, okay? It's not in the Bible. But she goes outside and she fetches some water, and while she's going to fetch some water, this man appears to Mary. Now, I want you to know that it's the angel Gabriel. I mean, now he's a big angel, you know, in, 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 you know, and the Bible tells us that God has an army of angels. You know, we have angels that are assigned to us. You have an angel assigned to you. You know, the Bible says the angels are assigned to us as ministers, right? So there's angels all around. But in the economy of God's angels, our army of angels, Gabriel's one of the big dudes, you know, it's Michael and Gabriel, you know, and when something important has to happen, he sends Gabriel. Now, I know that we have a picture of the angel, you know, he's got a halo on his head, he's got wings, big wings, you know, and a sword on his sheath, and you know, he is just an angelic being, and but I don't think that that's actually how angels appeared to people. I think sometimes, but not in this situation and, and perhaps not in the situation of Abraham, because the Bible says when the angels of the Lord came to Abraham, they looked like men. 
Now, some people say that's a Christology where that actually Christ, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit appeared to Abraham. We don't know, but it just says that there were men that appeared to, and are they angels? Are they actually the Trinity? What, whatever. But each time an angel appears, usually the angel looks like a human being. He, he looks, you know, because if he didn't, man, they would be so starved, they'd drop dead. So Mary's going to fetch water, and she sees this man. But somehow, Mary discerned in her heart that this was an, uh, at least a messenger from God. And so now the angel says to Mary, Mary, you are highly favored of the Lord. That's so important. And I want to focus on that because that's so powerful. At that moment, God spoke something so profound to Mary. God spoke something so powerful. God spoke something so incredible to Mary. But listen, we often miss it because we keep on reading on, on this, in the story. Here's what I would encourage you to do. When you read the scriptures, don't just read just to read the scriptures and get through a whole lot of scripture. But really think about what God said there. Think of the ramifications. Think of the implications of each story. And meditate on it. David said, I meditate on the scripture. I don't read it. I meditate on it. So here's what I do. I have a journal. And I pull out my journal and I just take one portion of scripture. I actually read every day. I read the word of God. And most of the time I read one chapter. That's it. One chapter. And I really drill down on that one chapter. Because I don't want to read just to say I read. I want to read so I can understand. And so often we just pass right through this story and we don't understand the implications of what God was really saying to this young lady. So after, often we, we move to the birth of Jesus and we don't stop for that moment to really understand the incredible implications of what the angel of the Lord said to Mary. Listen, it's very important to understand this is the heart of how God works in every one of our lives. It's the power of grace. It's the power of God's incredible, indescribable, undeniable favor in our life. You see, the Bethlehem story is the story of the power of God's favor on our life. It's a story of God's sustaining, empowering, life-changing favor that we need every single day of our life. You say, what does the story have to do with favor? Everything. You see, the truth is many well-being, many well-meaning people, when they look at the life of Mary, they want to deify Mary. There, there are many well-meaning people in this world that when they think about the story of Mary, they want to make Mary into a God. They want to deify Mary. They want to make Mary into somebody really super special. I mean, just the same thing with Paul and Peter, all the apostles, that the truth of the matter is when we read these stories, we actually feel like we could never be like them. We could never do what they did because they were super saints. But that's not what the Bible teaches, does it? The Bible teaches that we are all human beings, every one of us, and that no one has super sainthood in the scriptures. You'll not find it anywhere in the scriptures where one person is a super saint over another one. But you see, well-meaning people want to deify Mary because it is a powerful story. It's a, a wonderful story. But, but in the course of deifying Mary, we lose the very essence of God. 
we, we lose the very essence of God looking down upon us and seeing that we are simply human beings and yet with the favor of God on our life, we can do the impossible. Somebody say amen. We lose the understanding that God is looking for the little things in this world to turn little things into big things. And he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So who was Mary? Was she really the mother of God in the sense that she was God herself? And listen, there's been a whole movement to actually deify Mary to the point where she actually, after she died, she resurrected from the dead and now she's in heaven and she has been coronated as God, the mother of God. And many people pray to Mary. They pray to Mary because they believe that she's a God. And they pray to Mary because they believe that if they pray to Mary that she'll get to Jesus and she'll convince Jesus that you need something. But the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man. It is the man, Jesus Christ. This is so important. You don't need anybody else. You don't need St. Peter. You don't need St. Paul. You don't need St. Mary to get to Jesus. You can go directly to Jesus. Hallelujah. You've got a hotline to Jesus. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. No, don't get me singing now. Come on. There's one mediator between God and man. It is Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Mary, but I don't want to attribute anything to Mary that can get in the way of my relationship with Jesus. I, I think Mary is an incredible woman of God, and we never should take anything away from that. But you see, when we deify her, we take away the grace of God in her life. When we deify Mary, we take away the favor of God in our life. See, because the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That every one of us have sinned. Paul the apostle was a sinner. Peter was a sinner. John was a sinner. Mary was a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So who was Mary? Mary was a young teenager who struggled with acne. Mary was a young teenager who struggled with anger at times. Mary was a young teenager who struggled with lust at times. Man, Joseph was looking mighty fine and mighty hot a couple of times. And, and Mary had to go to the Lord and say, give me grace. I want to be faithful. I want to be pure for the rest of my life. Mary struggled like every one of us in this room. She was a human being. And that's really important. But here's the power of this story. That God would love Mary so much that God would see the possibility and potential in Mary, just like in all of us in this room, that God would pour out his favor upon Mary, that God would pour out his grace upon Mary to say, I'm going to take this young teenager who's just as human as you and I, and I'm going to pour into her the favor of the Lord because I'm about to use a human being in a supernatural way. Somebody say amen see that's the power of this story that God could use a young teenage girl to carry the Messiah the Christ child in her womb that God would use a young teenager girl to love and take care of God's son think of the implications of that because now I'm going to take you to a whole nother level 
Because now we've, we've already concluded that Mary is human just like all of us. That Mary is not a God, but that she's a human being. She's a young teenager. Young teenager trying to find herself. Trying to work through her own struggles. But look at the implications of what Mary is asked to do, though. I mean, she is asked to carry the Messiah. To, to carry glory in her womb. And Mary is asked to feed the great I am with baby food. Can you imagine that? Mary is asked to change God's diapers. I mean... It almost sounds impossible. It almost sounds ludicrous. It almost sounds, why in the world would God use a human being to change his diapers? But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Listen to me. This is important because so often we miss the power of the incarnation. We miss the power of God's love that God would allow himself to come down from heaven and become a man, not just a man at 33 years old, but God would come down from heaven and he would become a child, a baby placed in Mary's womb for nine months, placed in Mary's womb, and that Mary would become the channel of his birth. Think of the implications of this. I know it's almost inconceivable. It's the greatest mystery known to man. It's, it's the greatest plan and scheme ever devised by God. It's the loftiest idea that Jesus Christ has ever done. Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who was and is and always will be. The great I am. The bright and morning star. The one who calls things into being is placed into Mary's womb and lives like a child, a baby, a toddler, a teenager, a young adult, and a man, a human being. He was not just human, but he was also God, the God-man. When Jesus came to earth, the Bible tells us that he became like us. Now, it's important to understand, he never lost his deity, he never lost his divinity, but he took on something that he never was, and that was that he also became man. That's powerful. I love what Isaiah 9 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time and forever. And so the truth is God chose a young virgin from a poor family who struggled with the same things that we struggle with, the same temptations. I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us. It reminds us no temptation has overtaken us that is, uh, except that is common, listen to me, to mankind. And so Mary struggled with all kinds of struggles just like us. She struggled with her faith. She struggled with temptation, but God chooses to use her. Now you say, Pastor Steve, why would you say that? Because number one, Mary was human 
And I love what the Bible says when the angel of the Lord, pick this up, this is powerful. When the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said to Mary, Mary, first thing he said to her, to get her ready for the big news. He comes to her and he says, Mary, you are highly favored from the Lord. That's how he starts off this salutation to Mary. Notice what Mary does, though. Notice what Mary says. Here's how I know that Mary struggled like all of us in this room. Because Mary didn't respond, oh, I knew I would be the Messiah's mother. I knew it because I was God from the beginning. I was God's mother from the very beginning. But notice what it says. But Mary was disturbed and troubled because she wanted to figure out what in the world did he mean by this. I think what she said or what she thought was is, hey, why would you call me highly favored? If you knew the struggles that I had, if you knew the things that I deal with on a daily basis, if you knew the real Mary, you would never say that to me. How many times has God come to you and said you are highly favored, that you are God's child, that you are God's son, that you are God's daughter, that you are in covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, but you argue with God and say, God, but you, you got the wrong person. How many of you, when God's come to you and said, I want to use you in a big way, you say, you got the wrong person like Moses, I stu 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 stutter, and you can't use me, God, because I'm just not the right person. How many of you have struggled with believing that you're the right person? Or well, Mary was struggling with this whole concept. What in the world are you talking about? You know who I am, and you call me highly favored of the Lord. You see, she was confused because she wasn't divine, because she wasn't perfect, because she wasn't equal to God. Because she was simply a teenager who needed a savior like you and I. Look what Luke chapter 1 verse 46 says. That after, after the angel speaks to Mary and she gets it, she understands now. I don't think she fully understood anything until the day that Jesus was ascended to heaven. But she understands that God's going to use her in a mighty way and the Messiah is going to come through her. But she didn't understand that God was going to send the Messiah and that the Messiah would be God coming from heaven and living as a man to die on the cross for our sins. The Jews always believed in the Messiah. And every young lady's dream was that she would give birth to a king. But she didn't understand that this king would come all the way from heaven, that he would be divine. But notice what Mary says in verse 46, oh, how I praise you, Lord, how I rejoice in God, what? My, what? Savior. She needed a Savior, just like we needed a Savior. And so, verse 29 says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think about what the angel could mean. In other words, how could God really choose me? And the key word here, listen to me. In the key word in all of this story, I believe, is favor. Is favor. God's favor rested on Mary. God's favor was upon Mary. God's favor is the key to everything in Mary's life. And it's the key to everything in our life. And the reason why Mary could be a part of this great miracle 
that she would see in her life the reason why Mary was chosen by God to do something that was beyond herself. The reason why God chose Mary to do the impossible was because, listen to me, his divine favor was upon her life. And the truth is the story of Mary is really a story of favor, the favor of God. Now, what does the word favor really mean? Well, the word favor actually means someone who is considered, listen to me, someone who is considered special to God. David had God's favor on his life because he was considered special by God. Abraham had God's favor on his life because he was considered special by God. Moses had God's favor on his life. But listen to me. In the New Testament, this is very important. In the New Testament, because of what Christ did, and because now we have given our lives to Christ and accepted God's provision for salvation and redemption in our life. Listen to me. Now, every child of God, as Jesus said about John the Baptist, that John the Baptist had the favor of God on his life, but all those that are now living in New Testament times actually are considered even greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because all of us, because of Jesus Christ, have the favor of God on our life. Somebody say amen. You see, the word favor means someone who has received undeserved, listen to me, kindness from God. It's called the kindness of God. David understood the kindness of God. This is what it says. Psalms 117. For his loving kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Psalm 63. Because of your loving kindness, it is better than life. My lips will praise you. Paul knew the kindness of the Lord that is found in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. Titus chapter 3. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which he, we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy... By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, so number one, the favor of God is the kindness of God. That every one of us in this room have been touched by the kindness of God. God was kind to us by not only sending his son, by, but also by seeing us as being righteous because of his son. Somebody say amen. Someone who is living in the goodness of the Lord. The favor of God is someone who's living in the goodness of the Lord. I love what it says in the, in the Psalms. How abundant and, and the good things are stored up for those who fear you that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. Psalms 31. Someone who is blessed of God. Someone who is seen as valuable to God. Someone who has the hand of God on their life. I love what Brandon Cox says about Mary being the recipient of God's favor. Listen to what he says. I don't know why God chose Mary for this role. But I do know it wasn't on the basis of how good she was. Because she was like the rest of us. She was a sinner saved by grace. While I do believe we can live in such a way that we are more ready 
recipients of his favor, I still believe his favor is granted in his sovereignty, which makes it all the more beautiful when we see it. In other words, yes, we can, we can be a friend of God by spending time with God, by being obedient to God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me, right? And there is something special about people who walk in obedience. But in Christ Jesus, by grace only, through the mercy of God, we find the goodness, the kindness, the blessings of God on our life, which creates the favor of God in us. And so what this says here is that it is beautiful when we see the favor of God at work in a human being's life. So the word favor is, is very closely associated with the word, listen to me, grace. So everybody say favor and grace. Favor and grace. And what is grace? Grace is God forgiving us when we really deserve his wrath. Grace is God loving us even when we should be treated like enemies. Grace is God using us even though we are filthy rags in his sight. Grace is God blessing us with every, listen to me, spiritual blessing in heavenly places even when we don't deserve anything from God. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Say with me, grace is God's unmerited favor. One of the best known definitions of grace is only three words. Unmerited favor. A.W. Tozer expanded on this when he said this, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits onto those that are undeserving. Wow. God's inclination, listen to me, to bless us. God's inclination to use us. God's inclination to forgive us over and over and over again, even when we don't deserve it. That is God's grace on our life. It is unmerited favor. Grace is the overflowing favor of God, and you can always count on it being available to draw upon it when needed, Oswald Chambers said. Matthew Henry, some great, great theologians said, grace is the free, undeserving goodness and favor of God to mankind. Dwight L. Moody said, grace means undeserved kindness. It is the gift of God to the man the moment he sees he is unworthy of God's favor. Listen to me. The reason why Mary would see God take something small, something that seems so insignificant, something that seemed forgotten, fragile, weak, and human, and vulnerable, and use it in a great way was because she was the recipient of God's unmerited, undeserved, undeniable faith, favor in her life. So Mary was living in the favor of God. Friends, I want you to know today that we can live in the favor of God of God. How do you live in the favor of God? Number one, you recognize that God didn't choose you. Uh, God, you didn't choose God. God chose you. That's the favor of God that you weren't. You didn't choose God. I know that some of us think that we're doing God a favor when we come to Christ. But listen to me. This will blow your mind when you recognize that God chose you. The Bible says from the foundations of the earth, God chose you to be holy in him. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. 
Think of the implications of that. That God came to you one day by the power of the Holy Spirit and he drew you into his kingdom. It was his irresistible grace, his irresistible love that drew you into the kingdom of God. You didn't choose him, he chose you. And I'm so glad today that I don't have to worry about what God tells me to do. I don't have to worry about trying to be holy in myself because I've been chosen by God. And Mary was blown away. Why was she disturbed and confused? Because Mary couldn't understand why in the world would God choose me? And I know there are times when you say to yourself, why in the world would God choose you? Because of his favor on your life. God's favor. You see, the reason why you're sitting here right now, you might think that your mother made you come to church. You might think that your husband made you come to church. You might think you got up and came to church because you felt guilty and you needed to be in church. I want you to know that you're here today in the presence of Almighty God because of God's favor in your life. Hallelujah. That God chose you from the foundations of the earth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You didn't do it. God did it. Hallelujah. You are the recipient of God's grace in your life. Alive. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. You were the fewest of all people, but it is because of the Lord's love that he loves you and is keeping an oath that he swore to his fathers. This is amazing. That the Lord set his love on you and chose you because the Lord simply loves you. He loves you because he loves you. That's it. Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9 says that we have been saved. By grace, through faith, and not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. So you live in the favor of God, not by trying harder, not by praying more, not by reading the word more, but with just simply receiving as a free gift to you today his love that he, he chose you. You were standing against that fence. You were hoping that someone would choose you first in the softball game and you were so afraid you'd be the last or might not be chosen I want you to know today that God chose you his hand is upon your life listen to me this morning God wants you and I to live under his incredible favor right now God wants you to know that no matter what you are facing right now his grace and favor will not only see you through it, but God will give you everything you need to live an abundant life. Why? Because when you're living and operating under the favor of God, the impossible is made possible. The broken is made beautiful. The damaged is made whole. The lost is found. The little is made big. The insignificant is made significant. The weak is made strong. The outcast is turned into kings and queens. And the simple is made powerful. And when God grants his favor on your life, nothing can stop the blessings that he wants to pour upon your life. When God selects you, it doesn't matter who rejects you or neglects you. 
If God's favor is on your life, it outweighs the opposition. When you're living under the favor of the Lord, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You are more than a conqueror. You are the head and not the tail. You are blessed going in. You're blessed going out. And nothing will be able to separate you from his love. The Bible is filled with people that were under the favor of God. And when you're walking in the favor of God, you'll be able, listen to me, I want you to write this down quickly as I close. You'll be able to go through difficult times because you know that God will see you through. Mary was empowered by the favor of God to go through difficult times in her life. Listen to me. This is so important as the worship team comes. This, this, this story seems very glorious, doesn't it? I mean, this is, this, this is it. Gloria in excelsis Deo. That sounds glorious, doesn't it? How did I sound? Pretty good? Pretty good? Pretty good? Yeah. That term in Latin means glory to God in the highest. And so the Christmas story seems so majestic. But you know what God was actually telling Mary? Mary, you will give birth to a son. He will be the Messiah. And you will change his diapers. And he will become a teenager and young man. And you will watch your son be beaten. You will watch your son be whipped. You will watch your son be spit upon. You will watch your son like a piece of meat hanging on a tree. So don't glamorize this story too much. But God said, don't worry, Mary. I'll give you the strength to endure that because my favor is on your life. And I think that some of you have been called to deal with some very difficult situations in your life. And you wonder how in the world are you going to be able to do it one day at a time, no matter what it is. Maybe you've been called to take care of somebody in your life, and it's hard. Maybe you've been called to go through physical suffering in your life. When the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, you were highly favored. It didn't mean she was going to live in a materialistic prosperity kind of world. People say that they're rich or even that they have everything they want because the favor of God is resting on them. But I want to tell you today, God was asking Mary to suffer greatly, to go through great sorrow, to leave her homeland, to, to be totally misunderstood. Could you imagine the announcement? Hey, dad, I'm pregnant. Listen, hey, dad, I'm pregnant. Yo, what? Do you know what the penalty of having sex before marriage was back then? Unfortunately, today, there are no <laughs> disciplines. But back then, you were stoned to death. Could you imagine her coming to her father and saying, Dad, I'm pregnant. An angel of the Lord came to me and told me that I was going to be with child and it was going to be the Messiah, the, the king. And I'm pregnant. And the father said, I've heard it all, but I've never heard that one. She would actually be ostracized and outcast in her neighborhood. She was the young lady that everyone talked about. See, but God's powerful grace and favor was upon her to give her the strength to accomplish 
the mission in life. And Mary reminds us that whatever we must face in our life, God's grace and favor will be on our life. Paul the Apostle said, from keeping me from becoming conceited, God gave me a thorn in my flesh. And I cried to the Lord three times, take it away. And God said, no, what? My favor, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul said, I embrace the favor of God in my life because through the favor of God, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Job chapter 10 says, you have granted my life and favor. You have granted me with life and favor and your care has preserved my spirit. Maybe today you've been called to suffer, to go through pain, to walk through a dark season in your life. Never forget, because of Christ, you are favored by God. When you have the favor of God on your life, you will be able to say yes to whatever God calls you to say yes to. You think for one moment that Mary was able to say yes without the favor of God in her life? I think Mary would wanted to run as fast as she could. Are you kidding me? You're telling me that I'm not going to have a wedding like I always planned? You kidding me? You're telling me that I'm going to be ostracized for the rest of my life for this situation that no one's going to really understand but you see the grace of God the favor of God gives us the strength to say yes to God maybe there's something God is calling you to do right now and it seems so far beyond your ability God says to you this morning you got this you can overcome you can move forward you can believe me for a miracle you can obey me because once you say yes to me listen to me Here's the secret to God's grace in our life. You ready? Yes. You, how many of you want the favor of God in your life? Well, there's one word you have to say to God. Yes. God, yes, I receive your forgiveness. Yes, God, I receive your mercy. Yes, God, I receive the gospel. Yes, God, I receive your grace. Yes, God. I will do what you tell me to do. Pastor Steve, I can't be reconciled to my husband or my wife. It's too hard. I can't do it. God says you could do all things through Christ whose favor is upon your life. I can't leave my business and go into the ministry. Lord, I, I can't believe God for a big miracle in my life. I've never seen a big... God says, listen, all you have to do is say yes. You say yes my grace will be there to empower you to do the rest when God's favor is on your life you will experience supernatural power and anointing to do the impossible listen what it says I love this listen then the angel answered the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One that will be born will be the Son of God listen to me God's favor brings God's anointing God's favor brings God's power. God's favor brings God's spirit. God's favor brings supernatural miracles in your life. The angel said, Mary, God's favor is on your life. Therefore, the Holy Spirit will empower you to do what you can't do by yourself. Listen to me. The Bible is filled with simple people, weak people. 
people that the world would never think that they could accomplish anything in their life who were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Samson was a weak man empowered by the Spirit to do what he did. Paul was a weak man empowered by the Holy Spirit. Peter was a weak man. Mary was just a teenager. But when the anointing of God came on our life, when the power of God came on our life, when the power of God came on their lives, they could do the impossible. I'm here to tell you, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. God will give you power, supernatural, dunamis power, so that you can accomplish the impossible in your life. Don't ever say it's impossible. You can't do it. You can do all things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and give you the anointing of God that you need in your life. Paul declared in 2 Corinthians, I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. My message in my preaching was not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit's power. There is something in front of you that seems impossible this morning. And you know you cannot do it in your own strength. The mission is way too too great the mountain is too high the task is too daunting but God is saying to you this morning my favor is on your life come on close your eyes right now my favor is on your life my favor is on your life you can do all things my favor is on your life my spirit will empower you to do what you cannot do on your own Maybe this morning you need another touch of the Holy Spirit in your life. Say yes to God this morning. Say yes. Come on. Say yes. Say yes, Lord. I receive your favor. The angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. No fear. You have favor with God. Psalms 51, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a shield. Hallelujah. And so maybe you're here today, you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I, I want the grace of God, God giving me what I don't deserve. I need eternal life today. I need to know that I'm forgiven, that I'm a child of God. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. You say, Pastor Steve, I'm a believer today. And I just simply really embrace the favor of God in my life. Listen to me. Favor means blessing. Favor means empowerment. Favor means that you can walk in the understanding that nothing will ever be able to separate you from God's love. You say, Pastor, I need a touch of the Holy Spirit today. I need a touch of God's Spirit in my life. I, I want to I want to do the impossible in my life. I want to believe God for the impossible. I want you to stand right now where you are. I'm going to pray for you right now. And say, I want a touch of God on my life right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I need to do the impossible in my life. And I need the touch of God on my life. I want you to stand right now. Say, yes, God. You just have to say yes to God. I want you to raise your hands all across this place today. And just begin to worship him and say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come again and touch my life. I give my life away to you, Holy Spirit. 
Lord, touch me today, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father God. Lord, in this room right now, Lord, this morning there are people who, who need supernatural favor on their life, God. Lord, I know some of these people in this room, they struggle, Lord, with temptation. Some struggle with fear and doubt and unbelief. And some struggle with anxiety, Lord. Lord, others are being called to do something that goes beyond their own supernatural strength, oh God. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would know that the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that right, raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of them. And it will quicken their mortal body, oh God. You might say, how do I forgive the person that hurt me? How do I move on from where I am today? The favor of God is on your life. You are blessed and highly favored. You are blessed and highly favored. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone in this room. Touch them right now. Spirit of the living God, right now, I pray for your supernatural working of your spirit to begin to touch them. I feel like the presence of the Lord is in this place. I know that God's Holy Spirit's touching somebody right now. This word was for you today. Young man, you've got to believe the favor of God is on your life. You live like the favor of God is on your life. I want you to say with me, because of Jesus, because of God's grace, the favor of God is on my life. I live in the favor of God. I receive the favor of God. I am blessed and highly favored by God through Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because of God's favor on my life. I operate in the favor of God and I say yes. I say yes. I say yes to God. Hallelujah, we say yes, God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Come on, let's just worship him right now. Come on, let's worship him. Let's just take a moment as we're standing all together, standing together, raising our hands towards heaven as the worship team comes and just leads us in one last song. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your favor right now, God. Come on, somebody. I thank you for the favor of the Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you for the favor of the Lord. I thank you for the favor of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your favor, God. Come on, I'm highly favored. I can do all things. I'm blessed. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. Hallelujah. I'm destined to do great things. Hallelujah. I can say yes to God. No matter what trial, no matter what situation, I can walk through it with the favor of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
exalt you, Lord, because we're favored by you, God. You are the God of favor, God. Hallelujah. I will exalt you. We receive your favor, God. I will exalt you. Come on, raise your hands and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will exalt you. You are grace of God. We don't deserve it today, right now. Maybe you need a miracle in your body. Maybe you need a miracle in your family. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together, agreeing upon anything, it shall be done. So we're going to dismiss the service, but if you need special prayer today, if you need somebody just to pray with you and believe for a miracle today, some of you need the favor of God financially in your life. Some of you need the favor of God spiritually, emotionally, relationally in your life. You say, I want the favor of God. I need a miracle today. Maybe you're watching via live stream. We're going to pray for you as well. But we're going to close the service. But after we close the service, if you need some special prayer, there's prayer altar counselors here. And they want to specifically pray for you about anything. So after we close the service, if Maybe you say, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I, I really have the favor of God on my life. I don't know if I die today, I go to heaven. And you want one of these counselors to give you some information and pray with you so that you could start your favor journey, the journey of favor in your life through what Christ has done for you on the cross. You come as well. But I'm going to ask all those that need prayer, if you just come forward to the altar, we want to pray for you as God blesses you. Let me pray God's favor over your life. Father, I pray, oh God, that you would bless all that are here today, God. Lord, I pray that you would make your face to shine upon us, Lord, because of your favor, God. Lord, I pray that your favor would be like a shield around these wonderful people, God. And Lord, I pray that you would meet every need that they have. And Lord, as you call some of us to go through intense suffering, Lord, help us to recognize that we could do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Lord, thank you, Lord, that on the other side of the suffering, there will be joy. Because, Lord, 
suffering and pain and heartache endure for an evening but joy comes in the morning so we believe because of favor of God you're going to finish the work that you started in every one of us God so thank you Lord for what you're doing in their life may they always remember God that you've got a plan for their life and it's a favor filled packed plan it's a big plan in Jesus name I pray and everyone said come on give the Lord a clap offering God bless you Remember, God's got a plan for your life, and it's big.